Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Shop Still podcast, a podcast for woodworkers and the maker community in general. This is episode number 24. My name is Robin Lewis from RobinLewisMakes.com. I'm joined by Joey Chalk from King Post Timberworks. Hello. And John Crawford from Periodic Furniture Studio. Hi. Hello. We live stream the recording on YouTube every Thursday evening at 7 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time or UTC plus 10. Or you can watch or listen to it later on YouTube, iTunes or SoundCloud. I want to say hello to everyone in the chat. We'll get to your questions and comments towards the end of the show. But feel free to chat amongst yourselves. The idea being that this is also a place for people to meet. So a couple of announcements. Um, obviously, the biggest one is that the three of us are heading down to Malini tomorrow um, via Brisbane. We've got the Malini Wood Expo that we're talking at on Saturday at around midday. And so we're all heading down there tomorrow from various parts of the world. And then, uh, yeah, hoping to meet up with a few of you guys on Saturday evening at um, the Fox Hotel in Brisbane. If you haven't already, um, obviously, we want to encourage you to take a look at the event and uh, come join us. We've got a, a small group, but they're all very excited. So we're also super pumped for that. And, yeah, it's going to be a very interesting and, I think, exciting weekend. Yeah. Cool. I'll, I'll second that. On top of that, uh, uh, Jordan, I looked into that Discord server that you were talking about the other day. Oh, and yeah. I've created a Discord server. But what I've decided is I'm going to leave it as is for now. I want to get an idea from people listening if anyone is actually interested in it. So it's, it's there. It's ready to go. We can kick it off. Um, if you are listening to this you know, send me a message, uh, send us some feedback or something if a Discord server is something that you're interested in. I'm very keen on it. I'm, I'm quite keen to get involved in it, but obviously we want to make sure that it's going to Explain be it briefly for people like me who don't know what the heck you're talking about. <laughs> so a Discord server is, it's think of a 24-7 um, chat slash forum that's running. And the idea with it is, is that between the podcasts, uh, every week, we can run a chat where we can bounce ideas of each other, possibly get questions, possibly answer questions. Everyone in, in the chat can get involved in it during the week. And then we can use that as a tool for the podcasts. Um, you know, when we do it, we can also use that as a chat during the podcast. So it's just a way of getting you guys um, or giving you guys an opportunity to talk and and share ideas between the podcasts if if you want that yeah and, and just extending the community and i will just note that wasn't my idea it was and i i do apologize to uh the the sir that uh gave me the idea but i can't remember your name um but it was yeah someone popped into a show that i was at and suggested the idea and i thought it was a good idea to consider cool yeah all right uh so that's it for announcements Let's talk about what we've been working on this week. And I think for for this week, we're going to start with Jordan because I know myself <laughs> and Joey are very keen to hear what you've been working on this week. Oh, Dad, not much. I haven't, haven't done anything this week. Um, but no, this week I have uh, received a delivery of a five, well, 4.4 ton or 4.3 ton lathe from a machinist shop. Uh, it's not a woodworking lathe, obviously. It's a metal lathe and it is pretty damn big so uh it, it was quite a challenge getting it in because it's not like you know a heavy machine for me in this workshop is like one to one and a half ton which my forklift can carry but this is a completely different scale so 
Like yeah. get, and getting it in was even a challenge because most high abs can't lift four and a half ton. They can lift up to about three, right, generally yeah. speaking. And then you get into the next level of high abs where you're looking at Double 12 arm to things, 24. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, I had to get one of those really big, um, I think his was a, I think his was a 16 ton high ab and um, it was a six axle truck. Jeez. with a 16 ton high ab on the back of it and you know he made light work of it but it was just finding him took ages oh, really um and it turned out that he's cheaper than my old high ab operator that i'd use by 20 bucks an hour so i mean i found my new operator um sorry, sorry just to interrupt you high ab what's that uh, a high ab is well it's a crane mounted onto the back of a like a truck generally a rigid axle truck um so right yeah, just, just a crane basically okay but built onto a truck um and yeah so he, he made light work of it but this high ed that he had was insane so i walked outside when he first pulled up and he was getting his outriggers kind of down on the floor and i said oh i'm just popping next door for a coffee do you want one and he said yes so i got him a coffee and then i walked back out and he was nowhere to be seen so i thought oh he must must be popping to the loo or something and i walked into the workshop and he comes up behind me scares the, the jesus out of me <laughs> and it's, and uh i see the crane starts to move and he's got this like remote oh, control yeah. pack yeah. on him and he's just walking around just spotting making <laughs> sure that everything's yeah. clearing and i'm like dude you make my little high ever my truck look like <laughs> a toy <laughs> yeah. yeah so it was it was awesome but um yeah, it went pretty smoothly. I mean, I, I hired some 12-ton machine skates. So if you don't know what they are, it's um, imagine a pallet jack and it has those hard red nylon wheels in the front of it. It's a, essentially an array of those wheels in a really heavy uh, old steel construction housing and it just allows you to transport massive loads um, relatively easily. Uh, obviously, you still have a lot of mass, so you need some sort of assistance if you haven't got the bodies. So I ended up using my forklift and just right. kind of pulling and pushing, just bit by bit, checking, lifting it up with a toe jack, adjusting skates and pushing. And the whole thing took about two, two and a half hours to get into position. Now, have Would, you? Sorry, Gojo. Um, presumably, you've got it like against a wall or something. That's where it's going to sit. Yeah, have, sort have of. You, Taking into account having to get behind it to, to do maintenance and stuff on this thing? Yeah, I had. So it's mounted in a position where um, I'd say it's a meter away from the wall. Right. Um, so you can still get behind it to work on maintenance uh, on the motor or gearbox or whatever. And you can still get your bar passed through if you have to do, you know, not that it has a collet chuck, but if yeah, you did, right. you could. Um, and then on the the hind side, it's still got enough of probably about 600 mil to walk through. And if it gets stuck, I can also shift a rack that's there. Okay, cool. Um, so, so it is like kind of a thought out space in as far as someone that's never really had to deal with it goes thinking about what possibly would need to happen. Um, when those, when that thing was on the skates, was it quite easy to – could you push it yourself or, or not a chance? Oh, no, not a chance. So I managed to push it with two people about 300 mil or a foot and then it just said no more. I'm not mm -hmm. moving. So, yeah, I had to had to use the forklift for basically the entire thing because it was busting the, busting the pooper, as we like to say, in the, uh, <laughs> in the shifting industry. <laughs> and it was just too hard. 
Um, but no, I mean, we got it in. If you guys don't know, um, I got given this layer that was free. I didn't spend a dollar other than getting it delivered. So I couldn't say no. And the whole thing works. There's like really going to be my next question. Have you I actually obviously turned... haven't had a huge amount of time to play with it because I'm just so busy here. But from what I've discovered is all the gearing works, the threading works, um, the cross feed, uh, sorry, the, what are you calling it? You know, the power feed for the gantry yeah. in and out and across, that all works. The only it thing is. that I need to replace is on the top slide, so the one that you can do the um, kind of angle cuts on, yeah. uh, that's missing its hand wheel and, okay. and threaded rod. So currently it's just on their static. Which, you can make one on a lathe. <laughs> exactly, I can make. I just need to find the threading and uh, kind of figure it out. So you also need to kind of go over it and check that things are actually accurate. However, yeah, you do that. yeah, yeah. And um, my so my dad or my old man has a lot of machinist friends. Oh, cool. So and there's one that's local to me, and he wants some wood kind of machined. And I said, "Well, you look." Give it a once over and I'll do your wood and we'll be happy. So you can, it's like pretty much plug and play then. Yeah. And um, it had the 10 amp plug on it. So oh, really? it fits it's into my amp. sockets already. Well, I don't know if it is only 10 amps, but that's oh, it's not it three phase. It, oh, it is three phase, but oh, three, three, three phase 10 amp plug. Oh, yeah. I see. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because gen generally nowadays everything comes with a 20 amp plug. Yeah. And my workshop is so old that it hasn't got 20 amp plugs yeah, anymore. Right. It's only got 10 amp plugs, right. which can be a hindrance but not when yeah. you buy old machines but not when you buy old machines so uh, i'm happy cool yeah and other than that i mean i haven't done anything other than spray some degreaser on it um i've done a delivery which is a 670 kilometer round trip to a, a table and is that the one that's uh, the video that you had on instagram that you're maxing out your thickness planer uh, no, so that's what I'm working on today, actually. So that's just um, they're like massive uh, end grain chopping boards for built-in. It's, it's a weird assembly. It's kind of these half round chopping boards which go either side of a sink, which is just recipe for a disaster. But <laughs> that's why they need them replaced because they're horrible. And I, I kind of explained to them that unless you take these out every day and make sure there's no water pooling under it, it's going to happen again. Yeah, uh, yeah, and they were happy with it, and they were happy with my price and everything. So could you put just I don't really I can't really picture exactly what's going on with these, but could you sit them off the ground with some spaces? Yeah. So what I've discussed with them, so it sits basically. It's got a ten mil edge all the way around, so it slots on, and most of it can't pull in water, but it's just that corner fillet on the stainless steel kind of right. housing that it can pull under. So I've said that. I'll uh, put some standoffs under that board of sure. just stainless steel yeah. and then and then that would prolong the life, but it's still going to happen again eventually. Yeah. But yeah, it's cool. Um, but yeah, other than that, I, not a huge amount to report. So <laughs> I like the way you said it. Other than moving a 4.2-ton machine into my shop, now, nah, I think my child still reports. Yeah. No, it was pretty cool. It was heavy. <laughs> it's something small. I'll How about you? some cooling for it. Yeah. How about you, Joe? Okay, so I finished this bookcase, built-in bookcase thing I've been building. Um, so there is a couple of pictures of that on my Instagram. And there's just a lot of parts to this thing. I've, I 
I think yesterday went through and cut all my scribers and last few shelves and there's just tons and tons of little bits of plywood that had to be cut edged and painted on three sides and it just took you know two days of just stuffing around painting little pieces but um I finally got that done e emailed the guy at like two o'clock this afternoon emailed him some pictures and he's already paid me so bam that's the kind nice. of client you like so i won't be installing that till i get back from oz um wednesday i think i'll be doing the install uh i'm just, just pretty much halfway through now this counter for a, a shop skate shop that i did some work for like years ago and um so it's pretty much just plywood boxes with rips and walnut down and the guy wanted it to to stay kind of rust on rusticky so we just um Left, put the bandsaw face against the carcass, pinned on this, these walnut planks and just gave it a bit of a sand and clear coat. And it's looking pretty good. Just waiting for some glass for that. And uh, I have, so this, this is going to tie in, I think, to tonight's subject. I'm not sure if I should talk about it now or later, but um, you will remember last week I talked about the, X, the extension table I'm doing, the new one. Yeah, with the X on it, and how much trouble I had as I made the the base frame too big, blah blah blah. So, turns out it was another major mistake, <laughs> and um, I had to I had to cut one of the rails off and glue it back on. So, yes, that, that up my my day. <laughs> Sorry, cut it off at the at the leg so where the rail meets the leg at the X leg. Yeah. Um, I had to chop chop through my tenon with the Japanese saw and move the rail four mil back over in towards the the rest the other rail and make a new mortise on each side and put a big tenon in and epoxy it in. Sorry, so you moved it? I moved out, it outwards or inwards? no? I moved it inwards. Oh, so do you, can you see it? Uh, it's actually, it came up really well. Like you cannot see that, that I did anything. So yeah. um, I had to re-sanded re the whole thing down again and refinished it. But okay. um, but there's no end grain from the from the tenons showing. No, through. no, because there was a shoulder there. So oh, okay, right. Yeah. Did you discover this before or after delivery? No, I haven't delivered. I, I, I haven't was, delivered. Okay, so it's not been that. I had emailed the guy and said it's ready for delivery tomorrow. I meaning today, and he said, "Oh, can you hold it for a week?" And I was like, "Yeah, okay, fine." And then I went to just test it out. And I was like, how come this thing is jamming? Like, what is going on? It was working okay the other day. And then suddenly now it's like not, it's jamming like 300 mil away from being shut. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? We spent probably two hours troubleshooting. Finally got the tape measure out. And I'm like, oh, I stuffed up my rails. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Cut well, that off. At least it was before delivery you discovered it. Yeah, and now it's like time. smooth as butter. Like it's, mm. it's really awesome. I'm really happy with how it's moving. So um, the problem was essentially because one rail was slightly too wide where it met the, the legs, uh, it was binding the dovetail as it got closer and closer to the leg. It was just binding right. and getting tighter and tighter and creating a, a, a tapered sliding dovetail, which is the opposite of what you want in that case. And I guess with that, because there's no sort of positive, um, you know, there's no positive lock on on your mistake, 
like you could just be thinking or oh, the, the, the legs are twisted on this you know, floor or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like we started leveling it up and because my floor is terrible. So we started putting wedges everywhere under all the legs, getting it perfectly level and then like started pulling squares out and like doing diagonal measurements and like, what is going on? This thing should have wor- should be working. And then we took the tops off because we thought maybe that there was a twist in the top that was causing something to bind and that wasn't <laughs> working. And so anyway, pretty much rebuilt it in a day and she's back on track. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, that was a fun one. Cool. Uh, Rob, what have you been doing? Um, so not too much this week, um, mostly tiling. Um, this week I've been doing all of, so I finished the floor. I've done the majority of the walls up to the bath. And then this week I started on the bath and this is where I've kind of figured out that I can tile. And I've always said, I'm, I can tile, but I'm not a particularly good tiler. And this project has really pushed me and I'm kind of sitting back now going, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not a good tiler. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not, it's not horrible and I'm not, I'm not unhappy that I did it, but at first, you know, if, if you actually get in and start looking at all the lines and stuff, it's not, it's not great. Um, so you're not, not going to buy a van and put rubbing <laughs> tiling on the side of it. <laughs> no, it'll, that, that van is never going to pay itself off. That's for sure. It doesn't take much at all though to, for two tiles to like, you'd be such a small amount out of line and your eye just picks it up. Yeah. Like it, it's, it's a, it's crazy how, how easily it is to, to spot those kinds of things. And it's all these, the reason it's taking me so long is it's all these different levels. So you're sort of stepping up, which is, so it's all small cuts and I'm, I'm putting in that aluminum trim around all yep. of it. So getting that all to line up and look good, it's really tr- tricky because nothing in the bathroom is square. So when mm. you are trying to line up, say, the, the two aluminum uh, pieces on a corner there's no such thing as a 45 corner <laughs> so everything is these minor adjustments and you are trying to minimize that and you're trying to cheat here and there so you're constantly making these small adjustments and unfortunately i've just ended up where on the 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 the, the main face of the bar it, it all makes sense in the video on the main f- front of the bath, there's actually a lip. Now, it doesn't look bad because there's just an overhang, but that overhang wasn't supposed to be there. And it's overhanging by about five millimeters. Right. And, and that's just purely down to I'm just, I'm, I, wasn't, I, I wasn't thinking properly because there's a million and one things going <laughs> on in my head. And I don't, I'm not good at this. So it just, and yeah. And I asked a question about your layout initially for the tiling. What I've seen in the past is um, Tyler will sit a, a laser, self-leveling laser in the middle of the floor and mm. shoot um, a datum line all the way around uh, down at the level of the first tile and then mm. just work to that for the first tile. Did you do anything like that or did you just kind of start yeah. at one wall and work around? Or No, so the the floor was a – the floor is 45 to the – the, the bath so mm-hmm. that comes off 45 from there and that i mean that you just start on that one line yeah and then the the bath was where i set my level line right with just short of a full tile to the floor so i could yeah. you know could scrub it in yeah. and then that's level all the way up and then it just follows that line because it's going up and over the bath there's so many different lines yeah. that 
ever really going to pick up if it's not there. And then obviously when I get to the main wall behind it, I'll do the same thing with the level line. Um, so yeah, it's, it's coming on. As I say, it's not the greatest job, but as a, as someone who's only ever tiled once before, I'm I like, I'm totally happy with it. And mm. you know, I'm, it's not like I'm going to rip it up this week. I also got my bath installed or oh, sorry, uh, plumbed just temporarily. So there's no grout, there's no silica, nothing, but my, myself and my wife, I just, we just c- can't do these cold showers anymore. <laughs> and with the, th- with, with me going away over the weekend, I just said, you know what? That's cool. I'll, I'll put in a waste pipe f- so you can use this. You can have some, you can have a bath, but I've said to her, you've got to be super careful because I don't want, I don't want to come back and just see water everywhere. You know, it's not a problem if it's a small amount, but you've got to try and keep it as dry as possible. So I never wanted to go this route to be using it before everything was finished, but it's just we're just we're just too far into into mm. winter now, and it's just yeah. becoming a nightmare. I don't mind the cold showers too much, but you know, my my pregnant wife has, <laughs> yeah. has needs, and I don't know how much longer I can push this. <laughs> Are you going to do a glass screen up for the shower above, or what's no? So we I decided just on doing a curtain, yeah, because the the, the bath is very close to the window. Um, probably wouldn't, you probably, I mean, you wouldn't build it like that today. And I don't even know if that would necessarily pass in terms of code. So putting in a sheet of glass there would have just been a nightmare trying to get it all to line up. So with the curtain, that's fine. The curtain can just hang wherever the curtain's going to hang and it's just going to make life easier. It's yeah. also It's also not a very modern house. So to put in that you know, that, that those panes of glass, I don't think would necessarily suit mm. the, the look of the house as well. True. Yeah. Sweet. So it's doing the best I can with what I have in terms Fair of enough. the room. So yeah, that's what we went we'll with. Do better. <laughs> Thanks. Keep that in mind. All right. So that's about me. Oh, and then the other thing as well, obviously was getting ready for this weekend coming working on our talk and we've got a very special surprise for anyone who comes along to the meetup. Um, Jordan and I have been working on something. So I was going to say, so special, but I don't know what it is. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm on the same page. (laughs) It's just, uh, just as sort of a a, a token of, of gratitude. If you, if you can come along. So we'll unveil that on Saturday afternoon. So tonight's show, we are going to be talking about some of our, We've, we've talked about some of our biggest mistakes in the past and some of our challenges. So tonight we thought we'd talk about our some of our wins, some of our biggest wins, some of our best projects. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a full project, maybe just a small detail here and there. So I thought I would start. And to date, one of my favorite projects is my coffee table. And it's a super simple project, very, very simple. But that coffee table was cut down when I was living in Adelaide almost two years ago. And that slab I've held onto for so long, it's traveled from, you know, one end of Australia to the next. And I remember when I was putting the, the wrapping the slab up, I was like, all the furniture, whatever, this slab was wrapped in blankets and bubble wrap. And I was like, this has got to survive the trip. I was so, so concerned about that. And anyway, brought over here it finally dried spent you know it was as, as i said it's literally a live slab that's been cut that's it yeah flattened it spent days on the finish just trying to get it perfect and um yeah turned out 
it's yeah, as I say, one of my best purely because of what I had to do and the time it took to take that what what was literally a tree yeah. outside my window two years to get to this point of view. I'm trying I'm trying to remember which one it um which, which one it is you're talking about, but I'm pretty sure I'm thinking of uh, the Wood Knight's coffee table because he did a, a red gum or right, something. Okay. So could you, you describe your coffee table you're referring to so I can remember it? Well, it's, it's, <laughs> so it's Silky Oak uh, for starters, so it's obviously very yellow. Um, Cam, I would have put the video out it's about maybe a year ago. Yeah, geez, it was a year ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was a sponsored video. I got the legs from a company down in Melbourne. <laughs> And it was probably one of my longer videos that I've done because I went into like all the details about the history and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I think I remember it. I'm going to have to go back and look over it, but I do yeah. remember a silky oak table. Yeah. Actually, I had two slabs from that tree. And then I did another one where I did this, I had this, um, I think it was some kind of a gum. I think it might've been spotted gum where I did this bridle joined um, square so mm-hmm. it had two um, hairpin legs on one end, and then the other end it sat on, sort of floated on the the bridle joint. Yeah, yeah, which is pretty cool. So yeah, awesome. How about you, Joe? Oh man. So uh, I was saying a little bit before that we went live that I'm not sure that I have one overall uh, project that I'm hundred percent happy with, but I've certainly got elements of. Um, a few projects that I really like. Um, I, I thought I'd say to start with probably the extension table, which was my last video. Um, no, well, the video before my desk video. Um, that's one of my favorite jobs just because I got to essentially design the whole thing. Uh, every part of that is my imagination, not um, my client's. Really, they just kind of said, "I want a the table, and it's got to be this size." And and um, those clients, I had built the altar for a little mm-hmm. while before, and so I was able to use the cherry. That's why I had the cherry on the sides, and it's in the same room as the altar, and so it really ties in with the table. It looks really nice. The mechanism I, I felt was one of the best parts of joinery I've ever done. It just worked so perfectly, um, and. So going back to my story just before about this other table, which has completely not worked, I think that could be a downside of having a really good job and then being asked to do essentially the same thing straight afterwards. <laughs> I was, happens once. Well, I was just in, um, I was in like, oh, this is going to be easy. I just smashed that out of the park. So I don't have to think about this this version. And I made a mistake on just about every aspect of that job. I think I um, kind of stuffed up a bit. So um, it's a, a bit of a lesson for me to not uh, rest on your laurels, so to speak. You know, you've yeah. always got to be actually thinking about what the hell you're making and not just assuming it'll everything will be okay. Yeah. Um, I think that's quite true. Like, um, even when I think back to when I was in school and would ace a test in some subject, I'd get cocky and then I'll like sl- slip down a bit and then instantly my effort goes down on the next thing I do for that particular test. Right. So if you're like, if you think you've nailed something for me anyway, it can be a recipe for disaster. Mm. 
And not only that, on the second time round, that's when people are really watching you because they're like, yeah. he did it once, can he do it twice? It's, <laughs> in the music industry, it's your your second yeah, album is your yeah. is yeah, that's the that's the one you gotta make happen. Yeah, yeah. Same as uh, writing as well, apparently. What with books? Yeah, apparently. Oh, didn't know there was a thing. My, my mother's an author, so she she always goes on about it. All oh, right. Any yeah. any decent books? Well, sorry. Let me rephrase any that. Decent. Um, <laughs> yeah, it. Um, any books published? Yeah. So her uh, leaving Elvis is one of the award winning ones. Um, so if you're out there, it's pretty good. I liked it. I read leaving it. There was yeah, yeah, leaving Elvis. Uh, Michelle Misho Crawford is her writing name. Check it out if you're interested. Mm. Interesting. And and you, John? Um, yeah, I mean I'm kind of in the same boat as Joey with not a particular like not a specific project, but I mean I I'd go more broad. I think every project that I do finish and deliver and the client's happy, I I get a sense of like accomplishment and, and stokedness from it all. Mm. But if I'm thinking about specific projects, a while I think it was one of the first tables I built in this workshop. It was a it's just a dining table because that's all I ever do, obviously. But the base of it was this really nice um like all the joinery was curved. So it was like a concave into a convex and that was more of some tenon and it just fitted perfectly. And I did these little relief angles so you could see that joint and it stood out. Mm. And I did these up, upward curves on the bottom and upward curves on the top and everything just kind of felt pretty organic. And for that project at that time, I felt it was my nicest table. Now I look mm. back at the photos of that and I think proportionately it's a little bit off. I think the um, the you know the upright of the trestle could have been a little bit narrower because it looks a little bit heavy. But at the time, I did feel pretty stoked with that because it was the first time I was trying to do this hard, well, not hard, but different joinery with it, you know, being curves into curves and having it fit perfectly and all of that sort of stuff. Um, so that's probably my most proud or most enjoyed project because it just it was a project that I thought about, I drew out and made and it worked. It mm. wasn't you know, there was no scratching your head. It was just <laughs> I know how I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna cut this joint before I cut this so I can yeah. cut the curve and then the joint will still fit and blah 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 blah. And it actually worked. So that was a pretty stoked um project for me. That's Another cool. one was that I don't know if you remember I did a weird display rack for bicycle rooms when I like this is yeah. probably six six or eight months ago now. I remember that one. But it's like this guy approaches me and he says, I need a display rims. No spokes, no hubs, just round rims. And I don't want it to be hanging because I want to be able to pick it up, but I also need them to be secure because you know some of these rims cost four thousand dollars and if they get knocked and and dented, then I can't use them. And like the challenge in that was huge. So I came up with a basic design and I showed him like the concept, but I had no idea how I was going to implement it. And he said, yeah, let's, let's go ahead without me really knowing how the heck I was going to make these rims stand up. And um, I just kind of rolled with it. And I, I, I got to the stage where I had to engineer the, the uh, what would you call it? It's not really a clamp, but the keep the steady for the rims. And um, yeah, I just kind of did it and 
freestyled and it worked. Um, and then I think like that that project just came out really nice. I felt it had a good form. Mm. Uh, it was a pretty simple construction. It was like nailed together and uh, I think I even used pocket screws to hold the rails in place. But, you know, it was, <laughs> it was working to the budget. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, he didn't want to spend a huge amount on it and um, I didn't necessarily want to lose the job. So I just said, oh, well, I can do it. Um, but you're going to have compromises. And I did it and it worked really well. And I've walked in there a few times and I've seen that stand and it looks great still. Yeah. held up really well so that's probably my other big one and that's just because it was a, a challenge to design it and yeah. i never really had the the vision in my head until the very end and then when it all mm. came together it just it worked so mm. i'd say that is the other big plus project for me yeah mm. um for me i think my federal desk is going to be up there with one of my biggest achievements i think for a lot of reasons one is that it took me as the longest project i've ever worked on um mm. partly just because i literally would put it aside for a week and actually do real work and then get onto it for a couple of days but also just man hours i think it's the if i did it straight through it'd easily still be the longest single project i've ever worked on um and I still get to see it just about, well, I can pretty much see it whenever I want my desk in my dad's room. Um, so I still really like just the look of it. I think it, it looks exactly like I wanted it to look like whether or not that's yeah, what someone else likes to look at is a different question, but I think mm. it came out exactly how I wanted it to come out looking yeah. like the function is slightly not quite right, but that's just me experimenting with things. Um, but I think, the proudest part of that is the veneering which that I did. And that was really the first time I'd veneered a job and getting those book matched walnut burl veneers to work mm -hmm. and then working with the curly maple. I, I just, it just came out so good. And then doing the inlays into it. And like Jordan just said uh, before, he, he had this process in his mind where he was going to do step A, B, C, D, and E, and it worked. And that's how I approached that one as well, where I had a really thorough laid out mental plan. And it just, everything seemed to just work according to that plan. I was pretty shocked that it just went <laughs> together. So, um, yeah, that, that job was really fun and yeah, super, super cool project for me. Yeah. Cause I guess with, with where you guys are at, like any simple jobs for you, you've either done them or you know exactly how to do it. So for you to achieve that level of internal success, you've got to have a really complicated project and do it well because you've yeah. done all the simple stuff, you know, a million times. Like yeah, I've, in a way. Yes and no. I mean, yeah. I'm working no? on shopping boards right now, which I was just about to use like a large scale and – like I've seen this thing come together, I still get a sense of um, what's the way of not not accomplishment. Yeah, like on hell yeah, I, do, I done oh, this. Yeah. I did yeah. this because um, with a chopping board, it's easy because you know what a perfect chopping board looks like, <laughs> and it's easy to achieve that. So you know, well, it's I mean, not, I always, it's I not always, that easy. I always say that a chopping <laughs> oh, okay. board is the perfect yeah. project for like anyone 
that you're going to bring into your workshop or, you know, apprentice for you to make because you have to have that timber perfectly machined. If you haven't got perfectly mating bases, which are parallel, flat, you don't want any of that ripply crap that you get out of a planer. You need it to be mm. spot on to have a good chopping board, a butcher block. And like, and that goes for all furniture. If you're not machining your timber correctly from the get-go, your layout's not going to be correct. And then from your layout, you're going to have a compiling issues all the way throughout. So they're not as easy as just gluing a few bits of wood together. I mean, you yeah. can make one easily, but it's yeah. not going to be perfect. Yes, but you know exact. You know exactly how to achieve that perfect. Um, chopping board whereas like Joey you were talking about your your desk yeah there must have been some steps where you were crossing fingers and being like I hope this is there must have been because it was so Every complicated step of that I had no idea if it was going to work <laughs> yeah. um, but so surely at the end of that you step back and you're like well I got there I, I managed yeah. to get there in the end but you don't have that same level of accomplishment because you haven't owned the whole build start to finish no but I I um, I, yeah, I, I agree, but I think there's smaller victories um, and it comes, it kind of annoys me as a bit actually. People don't even, like someone comes in, Jordan, you'll know really well, people come in and order a dining table. It's not even part of the question that the dining table top is not going to be flat. I mean, mm. they expect you to provide a table that has got a flat wooden top on it. Half of the clients I deal with don't even understand that I have to glue more than one piece of wood together to make a top. Mm -hmm. They just think I get a piece of wood and, and put some varnish on it. Yeah. Um, so just like making, like especially I've had a couple jobs where I've just made the table tops for someone. And that's like really stressful, I think, because <laughs> you're trying to make this perfectly flat, large plank of wood and finish it perfectly and they're going to see it and within one second of seeing it. They're going to spot a flaw when yeah. you know, the light shines yeah. across it. And um, so doing that, while it's a very simple thing, is I think it takes a bit of bloody skill and kind of, especially when the timber is not playing ball. Like if you're mm. dealing with a bit of sapelli that decides it wants to bloody chip every which way yeah. and you keep losing thickness just trying to get rid of the tear out. The next thing you know, your tabletop is 15 mil thick. You, know, so. you could use paper plates now. That's about yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. That's a really, um, it's a bit of a bugger. So, so there are times where I will just make a simple square tabletop and, it, and it's perfect. That is yeah. a, that's a, a pretty good accomplishment for anyone, I think, and they should be proud because it's not yeah, that sure. easy. I would say my most recent small victory was on those three three meter long tables. Just mm. getting those long planks to glue up without any gaps is a victory because like jointing a three meter long piece of anything is going to be a challenge. But when you're working on a 40, 50 year old jointer, and then you put the two pieces together and they actually come out together, that's mm. quite a victory. And I get that sense of, yeah, small victory. So yeah. there's little things everywhere. With that most recent dining table that I did, the for me, the win was the um, breadboard ends. Having never yep. done it, yep. it was amazing. But the top, the surface finish, as you were saying, Joey, mm. is, is not great. Now, that's tables for me so I can look past it. 
But the problem is, and this is where this is why this would never be up in my top achievements, is even though my breadboard ends were amazing, they were so good for a first time. You look and you go, wow, that's so good. But and for me, that just that strikes it off the list because <laughs> yeah. yes, I had a small victory, but that glaring flaw in the it was I can't remember what it was. I think there was I just had to sand a a, a slight shallow divot to get right. something out. Yeah. Um that just ruined it for me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I had the like I used to have this mentality, and I still have the mentality that it's good to have those projects around you as a reminder and to also see where you've come from. Mm. And I used to have like my first ever coffee table set up here because mm. it was for me, it was a reminder because it's like, damn, this thing's ugly, but <laughs> it's a reminder. And then I realized if a customer comes in and looks at this, it's <laughs> like it, it doesn't say much for me. So I got rid of it and I put it back in my home. Um, yeah, that's interesting. But yeah, I, I do like it because it is a constant reminder and it's nice to have that progression. Like you do your first piece of furniture and then your 15th piece of furniture is like a huge step up. So yeah, I like it. So. Anyway. Yeah, well, you should be. <laughs> <laughs> do you now, uh, Joey, I know most like 90% of what you do is all commission builds. But Joe, do you, with the stuff that you you make, like your chopping boards, you make and then sell. Do you ever have you ever had one where you've made one and you've said, nah, this is this is too good. This is this is too good to be oh, sold. Too good. Um not too good. I've had I've had ones where I've not wanted to sell because they're really nice. Like my my kitchen at home, I have probably like ten chopping boards of various styles, and that's too many for any kitchen. So I've kind of gone away from that. But I I've had them where well, I'm pretty particular about my chopping boards. So the one that I'm commissioned on right now, I had to start from scratch today because when I uh, cross-cutted them to flip them and get the end grain up, everywhere had these little tiny cracks, which mm. probably would be fine, but I don't want to risk it being a moisture trap. So I, I'm pretty like particular about them. Um, but no, I'm not, I wouldn't say I've ever had any that are too good. I've had them just right. <laughs> That's... Um... It was probably about six months ago I made a Jarrah writing desk. I call it a writing desk. It's oh, yeah. nice. And I always started that build with the intention of putting it up for sale, but then I finished it and I said, not a chance. This is the best desk that I've ever made. Mm. It's just too good looking. No way I'm going to sell it. Um, even, even if it was some astronomically high price, it's such a, it becomes such a milestone in your career that to sell it, as you were talking about earlier with seeing your achievements, to me, it's just, it's really sad if you have to do that. Yeah. Like a part of me wishes like have like a copy of everything I've made. Mm. Just not on a serious wish, but just, just so I could go back and look at them every so often and just see why the hell did I do this? Or, oh, I liked how I do that. Because having <laughs> yeah. it right in front of you is the best way for me anyway to get reminded. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, what I think we might do, um, I'm just going to have a quick look for an <laughs> email um, that I got from someone a while ago that I wanted to touch on. All right. um, in the well, meantime. Yeah. Well, I'll, there was a question earlier. So why don't you look for the email? Yeah. And um, Robin, you can ask Jordan, you can weigh in on this. 
uh, earlier. I forget, sorry, it's up in the list. I can't find it where it is in the, in the uh, chat. But do what? Do I like dovetail jigs? What do I think of them? Sorry, again, I can't remember your no, name. That was Gareth. Gareth. Yeah. He just bought himself a dovetail jig. Great. Go for it. Um, I don't. I'm actually. I'm not sure what my opinion is on why I don't like them. I just have found it easier to do them by hand. <laughs> like I've always thought they the jigs seem unless you have a dedicated spot, which I guess you would if you have a dovetail jig. Although there are some that apparently the, that you just kind of clamp to the bench when you want to use them. But it seems like you need a kind of dedicated table that just holds your dovetail jig. Um, and you have a dedicated router that is set up permanently. That would make it worthwhile time-wise, I think. But um, depends what if, you, if time's not that big of an issue. But for me, I'm pretty sure that I could throw together a dovetail for a draw, and the time you could set up mm. a router jig and all that. But in saying that, uh, if you times that by ten, uh, you're going to be way quicker to do it on a jig. Mm, yeah. But what I don't like is that they're uniform in size. Oh, the newer jigs, like uh, the, yes. the art, you do have adjustable ones, but a conventional one, yeah, that even yeah. space. But yeah, the newer ones you can, but I still think the pin size is limited, and I'm not sure what that is. You could maybe tell me in the comments. Um, like I like sometimes I'll do a very like a, a knife edge pin uh, on the dovetail, and I don't think that the the jigs do that, and I think that just makes it look pretty depends on the job <laughs> um, like at the moment I'm, there's a, I've got a client who wants wooden drawers for her whole kitchen and mm. I'm like what way around should I do this if I went solid or even plywood having a dovetail jig would probably be the ideal thing I just make mm -hmm. a bunch of boxes in a day um, so yeah I, get, so I think that, you can borrow my uh, dovetail machine oh yeah I'll just put it in the suitcase yeah fly it over <laughs> <laughs> I remember watching a, a video from David Picciuto where oh, yeah. he used one of those uh, router jigs. It was the first time I saw it. <laughs> and I think it was a sponsored video by Rockler. So I don't know how much that would have influenced him. But I just remember him being, oh, and I got this amazing router jig. It's so easy. All you got to do is duck, 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 yeah. duck, click, click, Two click, hours click. Of <laughs> my, my brain just melted trying to keep up with all the steps. So, yeah, I, do, I don't know. Would, but surely they would improve the accuracy, though, of your dovetail? I imagine they're bang on. I imagine that's perfect. Yeah. But, I mean, isn't isn't that something that makes it worthwhile for someone who can't necessarily do them? As yeah. long as you have, like, a dedicated router set up, so because the way you set the fit is the depth of the router bit. So if you're using a router which you're coming and going, I mean, at least this is the ones that I've used. Maybe these newer ones aren't so uh, dependent on the router. But mm. if that bit is even a fraction of a millimeter off, that's when you start to get gaps in the joint. So right. if you have the jig and a router that's dedicated to it that you never change, I think it would be faster. Okay. To be honest, I think I just don't do... People call me some kind of dovetail person, but I don't do dovetails like drawers or anything that would need it that often. Um, I think I do more larger dovetails like um, um, yeah, larger joinery dovetails like sliding and, and carcass type dovetails more than I do drawer mm. dovetails. I actually mm. don't know. Maybe somebody knows. Can, can you use a... 
uh, a jig to do like carcass work for doing casework, like the external corners of a solid timber, say chest of drawers. Do they work on larger timber? Um, I, I've used one, I think it was a Lee one when I was still at uni. And I think theirs was probably about six to 700 mil like width that you could cut. So you probably could. But mm-hmm. yeah, it would be a fairly hefty price tag on that size as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This, it's difficult, also difficult to find larger dovetail bits I've found. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. All right. I've got a question here from Ferg who I've been promising I was going to get to this question for the last couple of weeks, just haven't had a chance. So here it is. Hey, guys, I'm planning on making a set of internal French doors, and I have a couple of questions. What timber would be good to use or what timber not to use? It will be painted white, so the color and grain pattern is not a factor. Will glued-on beading be okay to hold the glass? I prefer not to purchase specialized router bits. Joey, you know all about painting nice wood. Yep. <laughs> um, use MDF. Right. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah, this is, what, is it stable on those long long pieces? Uh, well, it depends a little bit on the on the style of the door. But you could use MDF. It would be perfectly fine for an internal door. Mm. Um, I've actually made just for kind of my own investigation. I've made cupboard doors. Um, rail and style with a, a panel like shaker style door fully out of MDF and dominoed them together and it came out bloody perfect and they ended up they, they went to spray came back and it looked mint um, was the panel floating or was it just a solid it piece fully with- glued in. it was done properly like a floating panel but I glued right. it in because it's so MDF mm. um, so you could buy a sheet of 30 mil MDF and cut all your parts out of it. Yeah, route out each window or whatever. Yeah, um, that would be actually pretty easy. Uh, otherwise, I'd use pine. Uh, pine's actually a very stable door, especially inside where the temperature and everything's reasonably stable. Mm. Untreated pine would work pretty good. My my uh, uh, closets that I've just, um, my wardrobes that I've just installed upstairs, I was planning on doing a shaker style door for it and i thought of mdf but my concern was yeah over those long distances will the mdf start to warp and because it's because you don't have grain that you can oppose Mm. it's all just going to warp in the one direction yeah i've got my front door which is an external door is a solid mdf door i mean i've been wanting to replace it for like since moving in but it is just mdf door external and it's it's, um, yeah, it doesn't swell. It doesn't do anything. It's really good. So. Yeah. Um, I would say like if you were doing a, say like a, a French door with glass panels, usually the glass panels in the top half are longer. You'd have a middle rail somewhere, the bottom third, and you'd have say, so that top between the middle rail and the top rail, the, it's, you may be looking at like 800 mil or something for the, the longer section mm. of glass. And that's nothing for a bit of 30 mil MDF by, say, 120 mm. wide for a style. I mean, that's, mm. that's not going anywhere. Does he say where he's based in the email? No. Australia or doesn't doesn't say? Uh, nope, nothing about location. Because, yeah, I've, I think I might have even suggested this to you a few weeks ago, Rob, but another timber, if you did want it 
out of timber is mm. Polonia because mm. it's just it's pretty damn stable. It's ultra lightweight. It machines like butter, and um, it's pretty impervious to like water and moisture. So it makes a mm. good door material. It is on the soft side, but it's being painted anyway. So yeah, yeah. yeah and if it's if I mean if and it's cheap. You could, you could argue that the the bottom's going to get damaged if you're kicking it, but yeah, it's not like a yeah, it's not a panel that's going to get hammered. No. And and as far as just gluing in the strips, as long as it's long grain to long grain, I don't think gluing in the trim would be an issue. But get yourself a little uh, tack gun yeah. and just fire a few brads through it, and you'll be laughing. That's how most play, people places do it these days: is just glue and brads, and then they putty over it and paint it. Because you wouldn't want to glue the the beading in, would you? Just in case you have a problem. Only, yeah. So you'd you'd leave the outside. So you'd leave whichever one you're tacking in uh, without glue. So you'd glue one side of it, and then the other side you wouldn't. Right. Okay. Okay. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. I assumed you meant glue both sides down, and that's yeah. Oh, well, generally you just do like a. I mean, I've only ever made one door, so I'm saying this in my terms. But you'd route out the recess, and then you would also add trim onto that, just so it matches. Mm. But however you do it. Yeah, that's interesting. With the with the um, closet doors that I was thinking of, because you never really see the inside of a closet door, just get one or two sheets, and then of MDF, and then get some more strips of MDF and you literally just route the, the pattern and glue the, you know, yeah. the shaker, the yeah. shaker side, you know, of yeah. rails and styles. And then that's it. And it's, that'll be so easy to do. But just thinking, and as soon as we're talking about MDF, <laughs> if you were to use two pieces of 18 mil mm. and sandwich it together, you end up with a 36 mil door, which is perfect size for a door. But yeah. that means you could also not do any real joinery and just overlap everything and glue and pin it together together mm. and you kind of sandwich the whole thing together and and that thing would would be strong as a rock and that mm. you'd, all you'd need is a, a skill saw and a drill and you've got yourself a set of doors yeah um, so that would be i mean who knows what this guy um his level of woodworking is but mm. if you just want a nice looking affordable set of doors most modern cabinet shops are probably going to make it out of mdf yeah just because my, because no one knows how to do joinery for a start. Uh, and, um, you know, in these bigger shops, everything's just speed. So, yeah, well, no one, yeah, most people wouldn't pay for joinery either because yeah. it's just too expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Um, quick one here from Gareth while we've got a, a couple minutes. George, what's your recommendation on sprayers? Do you have any experience with HVLP systems? Uh, okay. Um, as far as sprayers, <laughs> I haven't, I have no loyalty to any brand really. I just would say look out for anything with a 1.8 millimeter tip or above. Um, a kit which you can get a 1.8, a 2, and a 2.2, I think, is really, really useful because you can kind of spray a bit of everything out of it. I'm only spraying lacquer, so a 1.8 millimeter needle is good for me. Um, and yeah, I mean, I use HVLP technically, but it's compressor run. So I run my big belt drive compressor at about 20 uh, PSI and it just runs it, no worries at all with the air filter in the way. But yeah, I don't know, just mm, spend spend as much money as you're comfortable with on a, on a gun because it 
is a huge improvement between a $50 gun and a $150 gun. Mm. Um, the current gun I use is not gravity fed, so it's a pressure pot underneath. And that was probably about $200. And this thing is just beautiful to use. It's the best gun I've used um, to mm. date. You prefer um, the pressure pot over the gravity or it just happens to be that way? It was the only gun on the day they had in stock with a 1.8 mil nozzle. Yeah. I would I would have preferred the, the gravity fed just because it's more comfortable to use yeah. and more balanced in your hand. But honestly, I can't I can't tell the difference between what comes out of the nozzle. It's just you know how it feels in the hand. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'm not I'm not a finisher. I'm not a spray painter. I can't really give you any real tips other than get as good as you can and go the larger needle size because generally they're out the cheaper ones are out there for car painting hobbyists painting their cars and that's like a 1.4 mil needle which is too thin right yeah all right what have we been watching joey i know you said you had something yeah so uh i don't really want to bring us down but slightly sad news kind of um simone yutz from tested crew she's simone who does the shitty robots on youtube so you probably know all about her um, she just uh, put out a video yesterday, the day before. She has a brain tumor. Oh, jeez. That's the one with the um, where she got the robot feeding her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's her. So, oh, um, so she has a golf ball-sized tumor behind her right eye. She didn't say what kind, did she? It wasn't a acoustic neuroma, was it? She, I don't believe in the video that she said the name of it, but right. she, so far as I know, it's... Um, not malignant. Not no, it's benign. It's benign, which is a yeah. good, the better version. Mm. Um, so at this stage, everything about this situation is better. Um, she mentioned, so it's a pretty terrible situation, but uh, I felt somehow a little bit connected to it in the way that what, how she was describing um, her feelings. And she said uh, how suddenly everything doesn't matter. Um, mm. because you get this diagnosis. And I, I thought I, I could agree with her like 150% that, and I wish that everybody could got that chance to feel that feeling that, you know, actually nothing really matters. All the stuff that mm. we stress about, it just doesn't matter because as soon as you walk out of that doctor's office and you've got that diagnosis, you just do not give a shit about anything else. You just, and, and it, like you feel so good because, you don't, all the stress is just gone. And um, so I guess I just want to say, you know, thoughts to Simone and if any, um, you know, go and watch the video. It's, mm. you know, it's hard to watch, but it's, she's yeah. really good about it. She's funny. She's still got a sense of humor. And um, so, yeah, just that's, that's all I needed to say, really. <laughs> Did she mention if she was, they were cutting it out? Because if it's, yeah, yeah right, right, right. this month, this is a bunch of side effects that could happen. And she could essentially, I think, at the stage, worst case scenario is that she loses her eye. Mm. Um, yeah, she'll get paralyzed side in the face. She could she have a balance. Because when you lose that, they go in behind your ear. Mm. And then from that, they stretch that nerve really far beyond where it will bounce back. So your face will droop a lot. And from that, you'll also lose a lot of your balance and your depth perception and mm. all sorts of stuff. It's a nasty, very invasive surgery, but it's got fairly good success rates. 
Mm. It's just the side effects are impossible to predict until six months after the surgery. Yeah. And as you say, it's not cancerous. So that's just, the way. Yep. yep. Yeah. So that's, yeah, good and bad news. That's rough, eh? Sure. Mm. All right. Well, my video of the week is by a channel called Vsource3. I don't know if you guys have ever watched Vsource. No. They're quite a. Yeah, so Vsauce, the main Vsauce channel is Michael something or other. Um, but Vsauce 3 is Jake Roper. Jake Roper? Yes, yeah, Jake Roper. And um, he does these super cool it's – all, it's all science stuff. It's all, it's all based around science. But he does these amazingly edited videos, you know, and he go, he's talked about in the past about his, his writing process for a video, and it's just – months and months of research and then they put it together with the, the music and the this and, and it's just the way he puts these videos together the tone of the video amazing anyway here's one of the the most latest the most recent one is called impossible objects perceptual paradoxes and they they he goes into a bit of the design process and how we as people how we acknowledge and perceive certain designs and i thought from a woodworking perspective it was quite interesting to watch that and how your your brain works on designs and how your brain associates designs or associates objects with learnt design so it was just quite interesting i think i think especially you guys doing a lot of designing yeah you might might enjoy the the yeah. take i'll have to check that one out yeah, as I say, and if and if it's not not of any value, at least it's going to be entertaining. Yeah, right. Sure. All right, cool. So that link will be down below. Um, I'll get the the one with Simone in shortly. Yeah. Other than that, uh, myself and Joey and Jordan are heading off tomorrow morning. Um, Joey, I believe you're a, an early start. Yeah, I'm out at the door at something like three thirty this morning. Tomorrow morning. Oh, yeah. <laughs> What yeah. time are you, John? Uh, I'm out the door at about 5.30 this morning. Jeez. Uh, so, so I'm the closest to the venue, and I live fairly close to the airport, so I think I'm off at 7.30 for my 8 o'clock flight, which is, oh. which is hey, pretty hey, awesome. Robin, you can stop talking now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, don't worry, don't worry. I know that feeling, but, yeah, I got, I got lucky on this one. So, yeah, so the three of us are heading down to the Malini Wood Expo tomorrow. We're doing a talk on Saturday afternoon, and then we're doing a meetup with a whole bunch of people in Brisbane on Saturday night. If you can make it, the link is down below. We'd love to to say hello to a few of you. Yep, cool. So, yeah, so that's about all for tonight's show. Thanks very much to everyone who got involved in the chat. Again, we're just continually – the chat is getting bigger and bigger and busier and busier, and it's really great to see. So – Thank you to everyone who got involved. Really do appreciate it. And, yeah, we'll see all of you guys again next Thursday, same time, same place. Great. See you. See you later.